Rusty Quill presents. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. This for, God, what is it? March of 2022. We're already more than a third of the way through the year. I haven't made any new releases yet. I am sorry about that, um, but I am I am catching up. If you're new here, or if you're if you're just experiencing the podcast for the first time, a horror and lit club is just, horror and lit club is just a sort of off the cuff discussion I have about things that are going on, um, stuff that I'm doing. And uh, things that I've been I've been watching, reading, playing, um, etc. And uh, so we're, you know we're gonna hop into that in a second. But before I start every episode, I like to give everyone a rundown of what's going on in the actual West Side Fairy Tales horror and fiction podcast. That is the Fiction Stories. Next season coming up, we have Sin Carriers, which uh, I'm very excited about. Um, if you can't tell from my tone of voice, you probably can't. I'm not being sarcastic um i'm just i'm I'm very i'm i'm working my ass off uh i know you're not getting things but trust me once once sin carrier starts running it's going to be a lot of content for probably like a a couple years worth of time is we're going to be running that podcast so you know i'm going to be doing other things in the background also um i haven't posted a new one yet but i am doing a thing on tiktok if you fuck with tiktok at all um i'm on there i think it's west side tyler I, I make funny videos and just fuck around for my mental health sake it helps me blow off some steam when i want to do something creative and uh i want to force myself to not spend a lot of time of it on it i do it on tiktok but i'm also just trying out a new thing where i'm putting out this kind of like intermittent horror true crime series called the white chapel four if you're interested in true crime and the disappearance of four teens in Whitechapel, Missouri in the 1960s. Uh, tune into that. All right. Um, is it related to the West Side Fairy Tales? Everything is related to the West Side Fairy Tales. <laughs> Even the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club is canon. No, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Somebody's going to freak out and like start reading back through things. Um, but yeah, the, everything's going pretty much okay. I am over a quarter of the way through the final edit of the book. I'm rereading it rewriting pages tightening nuts and screws and bolts and stuff and that should be done by next month i think i'm almost positive in fact that my uh my first few chapters are solid so 
with very little realistically that can change. I'm probably going to record chapter one and try to get it out next month. Maybe. Um, I am about to start sending chapters to Yui for episode art um, for her to make that stuff. And, you know, once all that's done, uh, we're going to be putting things online and that'll be, that'll be great. Um, I do need to get a bunch of fucking, a bunch of fucking um, sound effects. And um, I'm going to have to look around because, you know, uh, if you don't know, Sin Carriers, I think I've talked about it on here before, is a, uh, a Western horror, Western action, horror, Western. I don't know what to call it. It's really, I've never read or experienced anything like it. I think maybe the closest thing would be like Steel Ball Run from JoJo. <clears throat> but even that is like not, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't actually read Steel Ball Run. I just, I was just thinking about it. I think that would be the closest possible thing to this that I've ever, I've ever experienced, but Still, all, all that aside, I think it's going to be a blast. Um, it really is. It's very long. It's 50%-ish longer um, than 150% the length of, of last season, of Scars in Time. Um, episodes are all 10,000 words. Uh, Scars in Time's episodes went about 45 minutes, so this should be about an hour, I guess, minimum per episode. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of reading, <laughs> but um, it's all going to be, you know, canon as usual. And there's going to be a lot of cool things hidden throughout the show. So um, hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy that. And uh, with that sort of out of the way. Um, oh, yeah. The card game. I am. If you know, also don't know, I am making a card game called Moons. It actually makes an appearance in this and is going to be something that people play. And the next thing I'm writing um that was always the case i've actually been working on this game for six years now i guess yeah it's it's 2022 so almost six years um i started working on it in 2016 as a card game basically that's played in universe in certain periods of the show um by certain types of people and then by general humans later um but I knew that I needed to have a real version of it so that I could keep track of how they were playing um, and make sure that like the game would make sense. Um, and also I had to make a versions of all the cards so that I could kind of like keep track of what they would look like and what their relationships and like kind of just see what they would look like next to each other. And, you know, so now I have all the game rules basically um, solid, you know, so that like I can I can play this game so that I can have people gambling on a novel card game that's never existed because um I don't know. You know why you know why it is? It's because I watched Kaiji um six or seven years ago. I literally I probably watched Kaiji seven or eight years ago. And um and, and now I watched Kaiji and I watched Akagi. And now I, I can't get those games and those fucking anime out of my head. If you don't know Kaiji and Akage, uh, I think I'm saying that right. Um, their gambling anime from, I mean, they both, I think were as manga were started to be written in like the 1970s. Uh, Akagi is actually legendary for, it, it's all about, um, Mahjong, Mahjong and which is like, if you don't know what Mahjong really is, it's basically, um, kind of like East Asian poker. It, it's, 
it fulfills the same societal niche and it has very similar um, betting and, and rules to play functionally. You know, you play in a, you play in turns and stuff and you, you, you draw and place cards. And, but in the case of Mahjong, it's tiles. And um, there is a, a, a Mahjong game and Mahjong games can be very long because they basically go until I think everybody loses generally, or at least they do in the, uh, in the show you go until you run out of money and can't play anymore. And there is a Mahjong game that has been been the the writing for it has been drawn out over and just finished a few years back. And it was 23 years long. And they actually, when they finished it, the guy drew out a timeline of all of the major events that had happened uh, relative to Japan and his life while he was writing out this goddamn Mahjong thing. And it's wild to see like just all this different shit going on. <clears throat> but I digress. That made me want to make a fucking card game, I guess. I don't know. I, I just wanted to have gambling. I like gambling and I like games in in shows you know, or you know, in shows and in, in writing in whatever. Because I, I just think it's always fun. I like to for people to be able to compete in ways that people are rel- like relative to the way that people people compete in, in a day to day life. You know, having like aggressive conversations and trying to like outsmart people through like debate or 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 just you know um trying to trick somebody through through a little bit of a a quick con and i like watching um people you know learn how to and adapt to and and win at playing a game or even cheat at playing games you know even if it's it's something simple like dice or if it's something really really complicated like this dumbass game i just made which actually isn't that complicated i just had to think about it excessively to make sure that it wouldn't be and it's probably broken as fuck. I'm going to have people beta testing it here soon, which is another thing. I think it's really why I'm bringing it up. Um, I'm getting the real cards in this coming weekend so I can actually finally play a version of this that will be uh, competitive. I actually had drawn out in this little baggie when I was working at this uh, place. I would draw out these individual cards on on card stock and then, you know, I would I would rip them up and then I would try to play with my parent or my parents play with my fiance and my friends at home, but the cards are all irregular. Cause I just ripped them up out of note cards. And so like, you could kind of tell which ones they were and they were really hard to hold. And some of them, because I drew with Sharpie had bled through. So now on the other side of me making this goddamn card deck and it's got, I think, what is it? 40, 39, I think individual pieces of art that I drew myself and I am a terrible artist, but I practice a lot and some of them look pretty good here toward the end of it. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, so that card game's done. And then um, if, if you guys are interested, if there's folks out there that are interested in card games and uh, learning or like playing like new novel things, like if you're a card game head, uh, this game basically is, is fairly simple. The, the goal is that it's kind of like poker, um, you know, or, or like Texas Hold'em or something where like any five-year-old can learn the rules. So there's a really low skill floor to entry and people can come in and just sort of play and you wouldn't feel like you were screwing them over, so to say. But then there should be a high skill ceiling where people figure out how to do like, you know, little tricks and stuff and, and, and fuck people over is the name of the game because I want it to be gambled on, not in real life, but in the uh, in my show or my stories. And then, um, you know, basically, like it, it, I want it to be in, like, in the plot in a place like like where poker is, or or something like mahjong, 
where people can get in over their heads trying to play it and stuff. And, you know, you can have like long conversations over it because no one needs to stop and explain like, oh, I know. I'm sorry. Like the werewolf only works if the werewolf card is like faced right for six turns following the person that played it. As long as no minor moon cards were played in the intervening three turns after his partner played the Hal card that allows them to put four werewolf cards on the table but if you have any wolf's bang cards the wolf's bang cards will eliminate at least one wolf unless that wolf is an alpha wolf it is immune to the wolf's bang card and the wolf's bane will just stay on the table until a beta or gamma wolf is played i'm coming up with this off the top of my head i have no idea what that game is do not try to make it that uh, that sounded fun i think to some people don't that was that game is gonna suck (laughs) That's too many rules for one small thing. Um, no, mine, mine plays pretty simple. There's basically like five suits. Yeah, I guess that's how you say it. I'm, I'm, there's five um, minor suits and one major suit, I guess you could call it like that. Um, the five minor suits all have different point values. One suit is completely negative or has null values. The other ones have like variable values to go up. The point is to have the most points or to like complete basically and they're they're all moons, right? And those five cycles are moons. So those are like the main play cards. So you try to complete a cycle of the moon. Each phase has five of its own unique cards and one of the new moon cards can be played to complete the cycle at any time. Those are just universal. You can throw them between decks because like a new moon doesn't have, you can't see it. It's invisible. So... (laughs) It's not going to be a part of the suit, but there are enough new moons for each suit. And so like you have like the harvest moon suit has the most value. So it's lowest card to its highest guard go up in um, multiples of two. So two times four is four. Four times two is eight. Eight times two is 16. 16 times two is 32. There's also the pale moon series, which um, have negative values because they're like a death moon. Red Moon is like the second highest suit and it has the exact equal but positive values as the Pale Moon. The Blue Moon suits um, goes in reverse. So instead of like the Full Moon card being the most valuable, it's the least valuable. And then it counts down from there to like, I think it's uh, eight points to two points. And then there's the uh, Pale Moons or the Yellow Moons, uh, Common Moon which is uh, the lowest point values of the positive cards. And that's like zero through five, I think. And so um, there's also the major suite, which is the uh, demon cards. And the demon cards um, are all negative or null value. And they go up by... um, by primes so it's like one i skip the two prime one i think i do no actually i might not it might be one two three five seven thirteen one two three five seven thirteen one two three five seven thirteen got man stained promise imago diocito god yeah okay those are correct yeah, because I didn't want them to have that high. I actually, they, those were higher, and I think the last one went up to 17, but I think it ends right there, or to some higher number, 23. But, um, 
yeah, so I like these irregular point values because it kind of keeps you on your toes. And like, I want people to be, uh, I want people that are new to the game to be like, you know, like, okay, uh, well, I got a good card. They might have like other cards. And then like, you know, somebody plays a card down and it's like a triple value of the same type of card. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I think that could be, I think that that could be really cool. I think that could be a, like a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And uh, it's it, it'll, it'll be coming out soon. There's also one more card that lets you end it. And the way that you score is by getting all of the cards in a row. You complete a run. It can be made up of any of the, any of each of the phases of the moon from all of the different suites. And then the demon cards that you play are always negative, but they can let you um, steal that deck if you have the highest demon card and you put it on there. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a blast. There's there's tons of it. I'm so fucking excited to play it. It might be completely broken, but um, I'll, maybe I'll try to like record some some gameplay footage. And, and put it up there. But I want it to be something like Uno that people can play that's not Uno. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, it'll have a f- way faster play cycle than like a poker game or something like that. Um, I, I kind of want it to be like between that and like, you know, like Uno. I like Uno more than I like most poker games because you have to be extremely invested in poker and poker mythos and like all of the different hands that you can win by. And um, like, you have to have like a real deep history to see certain hands in poker and be like, Oh fuck, no way. Like that guy played that like that, like that's a great play or like that was like a devastating thing that you did to the, to somebody. And obviously I don't want to have to fucking go through that if I'm writing a book, you know, (laughs) I'm not imagine if it was your first imagine think about Mahjong, right? Um, you don't know most of you listening to this probably don't know anything about Mahjong. Um, and if you do, you know, shitloads about Mahjong. Like it's that kind of thing. But like, you know, if I was playing it through and, and you know, you got like uh whatever, like a fucking, like this sort of Ron on somebody and, and, and they had like X set up and it, I, I, there's no point in me describing all these things. Cause I can barely remember too, but also you wouldn't have any fucking idea what I'm talking about. And, you know, he's like, if somebody goes like, niche, and like, oh, shit, like, damn, that guy just, like, absolutely won this ridiculous fucking hand on, a, like, a crazy bet. But anybody that's kind of watching is going to be like, well, if I, you don't fucking, like, clue me in on all of this, I'm going to have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Which is actually kind of like what I liked about the difference between um, Kaiji and Akagi. Akagi's all Mahjong, which is fine, and it's really interesting to see, like, it's more about the people who play it and how their kind of personal weaknesses affect their play style and the bets that they make. And kind of like a lot of it's like how like mental fortitude and like uh, honest living kind of to a degree will make you like a, a better player and in, in, in all these sort of things. Maybe that might be a, a misdescription of it, but functionally speaking, people's games are very related to like how solid they are as a human being. You know, degenerate gamblers and stuff are always getting like thrown over by these thugs. But once the thugs that are like really familiar with the game, these like, Yakuza types that are like running the game underground, blah, 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 blah. You know, once they get there, uh, they have to face somebody that's on their level. You know, you see them start to sweat and like how they're like their inner cowardice is and like how they cheat and how they want to manipulate the game when they actually are on the ropes. It's very interesting. But in, 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 
Akagi or Kaiji, it's much different. And you get to meet a lot of really uh, novel games. Some of them were invented for that. I mean, anybody that's watched that show is never going to forget uh, the Johnny Juni Ken. I can't know how to, I can't remember how to say it, but it's uh, the the Jap the Japanese version of rock paper scissors, and uh, it's um oh, I can't remember death or life rock paper scissors, and it's a it's a kind of complicated game, but like once you figure it out, you're like oh shit okay like I'm on I'm on board with the rules. I have a vague idea of how you can win, and like I have a vague idea of how you can cheat. And as they explain it, you get more into the game. You're good. And like they have a lot of things like that, like like tissue box raffles and like just random little tiny games all throughout it. And then, of course, because it's the guy that makes those um, anime, they're both the same from the same guy. The the last biggest thing is a goddamn 50, 15, 25, whatever episode long game of Pachinko. <laughs> the bog bagu. Oh, my God. I fucking miss that show. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's spiritually very, it wears on you, but I digress. That's where I'm going with the game. And, uh, if you follow me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Westside fairy tales. Um, we are, I'm putting updates on there. You get to see the cards and stuff. And, uh, I will be making a Kickstarter for this to showcase some gameplay. And I'm going to have like, it's going to look nice too. But, um, once I kind of got everything, sorted out because i don't know if i want the deck to have the current amount of cards or more cards or less cards uh, depending on where we are when we go forward so that's just something i'm thinking of and you know um as more updates come out about that you will get more updates i have to talk about elden ring i have to talk about it because it is all i've been doing for like two weeks now on my free time um I guess if I want, I, I, I could go back to being very unhealthy Tyler and I could sacrifice every inch of my free time to try to get all this content out, but I can't, I can't do it. Um, I can, but I think I've actually gotten to a point where I'm so tired. I'm, it's suffering from quality, which, you know, I, I don't want that. I don't want the quality of it to happen. So, you know, I, I've gotten back to playing video games um, irresponsibly in my free time. And so just, I've been, I've been trying to put like five, six hours of this into this per night. But I've also been listening to books in the background, so I'll talk a little bit about those too um, on my way through as, as I get to more stuff. But Elden Ring, man. I think Elden Ring is a perfect game. I think it's perfect. I maybe it's kind of hard to describe. It's not perfect in a way that like anybody that plays it is gonna pick it up and be like, this game is perfect. Like there's a like a few variations of perfect that I think of in in my life uh as far as video games go and i usually try to like get them like say like they're perfect by genre like i think super metroid is a perfect game um the it's functionally flawless like if you play super metroid it's a metroidvania you start on your ship and then you just get to explore the ever-living shit out of this place sort of locked off from different regions finding power-ups, going back to different areas and like kind of re-exploring consistently. And the game feels huge. It feels massive, right? Because you keep having to kind of backtrack through areas, but it's not as bad to go back through an area you've already been because you have all these power-ups and like 
you're you're too advanced for the struggles that once fucked you up in that area to slow you down and so you feel like a fucking god because you go from being like really slow and like jumps and 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 you're getting stuck behind doors and having to take gigantic like side routes all of a sudden you can run uh like the speed of light and you can blow open every door because you've got mega missiles and stuff and you can see holes and stuff in the floor that were hidden because you've got an x-ray scanner like it's fire and all of your guns are leveled up and you have extra armor on that like reduces impacts by like 20 and you have like 40 fucking life points it's the best the best game the 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 reason it's great is because it makes you play every area like three or four times and you never run out of stuff when you go back you know and when you're crisscrossing you're also going back to open doors and like see areas you haven't seen before and the terrain and the feel of it just changes and as you get movement upgrades you go a little bit faster and stuff and you 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 just feel really empowered and like that is kind of my benchmark for like what a perfect game is like this is a fucking perfect game and uh the next game that i ever played that like i actually felt that way about it um aside from like a bunch of super nintendo games i mean i, I was a little bit you know biased because at the time i was nine eight five i actually i think no 80 94 95 is when that shit came out so i was was seven six seven years old maybe eight when i was playing this game so that a link to the past and uh super mario brothers um perfect perfect games uh flawless i don't know what you can really say about them that's not going to be the most nitpickingest like I have to try to find something specific I didn't like about them, but I would say for what they set out to accomplish, being a platformer, being a Metroidvania, um, being a—I don't even know what you call games like Legend of Zelda anymore. Link like Zelda likes um, top-down third-person action adventure RPGs, combat RPGs. I don't even know what the hell to call that, but perfect, perfect, perfect experience, start to finish. You know. Um, a little bit slower than Super Metroid, in my opinion. I definitely only played Link to the Past uh, 50, 60 times, and I think I played through Super Metroid probably 100. It might not be that high, but it might be legitimately like 10 times as a child playing through Link to the Past and like 20 playing through Super Metroid. I actually, I would speed run Metroid before I knew what speed running was when I was a little kid because it has a thing when you finish at the end like did you finish this game fast enough and you have to beat it in like 60 minutes or something like that i think according to the end game timer but um i digress you know i've been kind of like wanting another game like that that's like basically perfect for forever and you, know, you play like a lot of like good games you know great fucking games um i've i've played over the years that are you know very interesting experiences really fun but it's rare for me to replay a game up until Hollow Knight, which I replay all the time, just like when I was a kid, because that game is also literally perfect. But then it comes to like um, open world games and open world games, which is what Elden Ring is. It is a uh, super massive open world uh, combat RPG, 3D, third person running around dragons zombies 
giant ant monsters, demons of all shapes and swords and sizes, and uh, gigantic shrimp, which are the most dangerous enemy in the game. Um, like Elden Ring, man, it fucking slaps. I have never played a game that is as pretty as Elden Ring. It is gorgeous start to finish like you can literally point your camera in basically any direction like at the horizon at any given point in the game and and it's a screensaver i i had a moment when i was playing that game where you get to like one of the basically the second major area progression wise i would say you would start you started well i guess it would be the third major area progression wise Limgrave, grave stormvale castle and then uh Lyernia of the lakes and when you get to Lyernia. You know, there's um, there's these things that you can get into, these upward drafts that shoot your horse into the air. It's like legal. <laughs> it's legal. I said uh, it's non-lethal. <laughs> you'll get shot like 500 feet in the air, but you also like air glide down. And so you can jump up in smaller places. And you just have to know that they played. They made this game perfectly. Like they they, they thought out where everything is and just everything is just so beautiful and well-crafted and really based on real geography that it just fucking works. And I jumped in this thing and I was at the edge of a cliff, so I couldn't see anything. And it's like a four or 500 meter jump straight up in the air. And so you're flying and then all of a sudden it's boom, I'm in the air. It's the middle of the night. The skies is just all stars and the Erd tree, which is a, probably five mile wide tree at its base. Um, maybe not that wide, but like, it seems like that, you know, from a distance, maybe a mile wide, a tree at its base is, you know, on the other side of the great inner sea from me down this other big cliff. And then there's a church next to me and I just boom, shoot up and it's glowing. The earth tree glows gold at all times. It's the middle of the night. There's stars everywhere. All of these like churches and stuff are spread out behind me and all these like rolling rock cliffs that you can see that are all the result of this gigantic cataclysm that happened that just strewn shrewd ruins across this world. It's all spread out and it's just beautiful. And you stick at the top, you know, your inertia holds you at the top of the, the apogee of this arc for a while and you're just floating there and like literally the most beautiful fantasy setting I've ever seen in a video game ever. And then you come flop back down and I was just like frozen for a while. I was like, that's the most beautiful shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. So like everywhere you go has views like that. It, it really does feel like every time you beat an area, and you you go, there's always a cave or an elevator or something that you have to kind of fight through this little dungeon-y type place, you know, where you're like, oh, man, it's kind of oppressive. I'm stuck in here. I'm ankle deep in somebody else's shit. I'm fighting goddamn fucking basilisks trying to fucking freeze me. Little shit-ass motherfuckers breathing death. There's giant warty dudes with swords, and you finally get out to the other side. And then you're just always at, like, this, this scenic overlook and like it's just like some world is spreading out from all ahead of you, you know. And sometimes it's like a horror world. Um, I opened 10, 15 minutes into playing this. I opened a fucking chest and some gas came out of it. And it's like, oh, you stepped into a teleporter trap and it teleported me into this cave that is way high level for me. If I, every time I touched an enemy, they would turn around and instantly killed me. So 
instead of just being able to like fight my way through it and be like, oh, I'm 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 Superman. I can fight my way through this. I I just have to sprint my way out, ducking, diving, just basically memorizing a route because the goddamn enemies in there are these giant bug creatures I have no fucking reference for. And they shoot out homing missiles like a goddamn whatever that old game was that came from Konami. <laughs> I can't remember it, but uh, you play as the, a robot. It's Jehuti is your robot that you ride around in. I'll remember it later and like my brain will pop and blood will come out of my nose. But dude, you have to sprint out of there. And when you sprint out, you're in fu- basically like Yarnum all of a sudden. Like you were in Limgrave, which is this beautiful meadowy like pasture place that's full of ruins. The color gradients there's there's different color gradients and zones mm, like mwah, mwah. so it's like a gold green. It's beautiful and there's like some stormy areas like north of it. Like oh, it's the storms. It's so bleak. Blah blah blah. blah. It's kind of cool and it's very soft and you know really like almost like uh like heavenly in its way if not just a little bit dangerous and then you go to this place and uh the fucking everything is blood and disgusting pustule growths there's a collapsed city near you if you step in the blood shit you start getting a fucking a new disease status ailment called scarlet rot that just eats your fucking life away so i start running into this next area right this little city i'm fucking all of like level 20 and i get inside this city and all of a sudden ghost wizards start appearing and they have gigantic stone mask heads and they just start going and casting fucking gigantic homing missile spells at me that are chasing me through here there's dogs and then i finally find a place to rest and once i rest there um at the at the like the checkpoint then i can teleport the fuck back out of there because i couldn't even like literally walk away from that area without running into something that just smacked me into fucking kingdom come and that's the game you keep going to all these places and you want to go back again and again but you don't have the right level or you know you're not strong enough um and you have to level up and you have to try to figure out how you're going to level up and there's like a lot of strategy and a lot of self-deprivation in this game which i've heard heard like it's you really know, and I will say this until I die, you can better tell the value of something from the criticisms people give it than you can from the the laudits that people press upon it. And in the case of this game, like the criticisms have been like, it's too hard. It's too punishing. I don't feel rewarded for playing this. Uh, they need an easy mode. The, the game needs to make more sense. And you're like, thank God like the the filter works and if you're playing this game right now or you quit this game and like you have these opinions you know it's okay my opinion's not going to kill you just hear me out or ignore me and turn this off it's fine you'll 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 survive uh the game's not for them it's not it's not for them if you're one of those people it's not for you it's too hard on purpose it's for me they made the game for me and that's why i think it's fucking perfect all the people that the game is not for, it's not for you. It's not a judgment about your abilities or you as a person. It's just like a puzzle that was not meant for you to ever solve. But everybody that wanted it, fuck, they wanted it. It's like the IPA of video games. And people are going to get butthurt as fuck at me about that. But it really is. 
It's like finally because like everybody that likes IPs, IPAs, I'm going to say IPAs. Everybody that likes IPAs loves IPAs. And they have a threshold for people to enjoy them. And it is like you it, it is a painful drink to drink. But like the pain is a part of it. It's like if you don't like really, really spicy food because like it hurts you. That's on you first off. Like it's just not made for you. Like capsaicin is just it's it's there, my friend. And like, don't try to yuck my yum <laughs> by by trying to ruin my shit by 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 affecting it. Don't give your don't give your interpretations of what would make this game a better game. I don't want them. I don't desire them. This IPA would taste better if it was a different beer. Like, yeah, I guess to you, dumb fuck, but not to me, you goof. But no, I, I like. I, I, there's something about this game that I love the way that people complain about it. Because a lot of it too is just it shows how fucking casual you are in like the most strict sense of being a casual gamer because it's like all of the problems that people complain about are either solved by just adjusting your play style the tiniest bit or they're only a problem because you haven't been paying attention about how to play the game. Like people want to just jump in and just be like, okay, I'm God now and like then just leave. But this game really, really really fucking makes you work for it and you can't get to it you can't get to a part where it's just like any other game and you can walk around one hit smacking everything um the best part of every souls game is after you get past the initial like hour and a half two hours whatever it is of just like trial and error gameplay and not having anything and just getting your fucking shit pushed in in every direction you walk and then you find your first run you're like oh shit and then the game opens up to you and it's just fucking endorphins from then on it just fucking continuously slaps again and again and again. And to reinforce that, they will find you will find additional walls. It's like in the original game. It's like, oh yeah, man, I was good and I was worried about the Sense Fortress place, but then I got it and I got into Sense Fortress and I was doing it. And then I got to this next area and it's called An Orlando and it's kind of hard. There's some dangerous enemies, but you know, I just persevered three attempts, four attempts. I'm good. Then what happens? You go up a gigantic staircase and you fight two dudes. A skinny guy and his fat boyfriend, Ornstein and Small, and it is the hardest fucking boss fight in in that game. Bar none. I can't really think of a harder one. <laughs> and you'll go from being like, I am cruising to all of a sudden you're just like, okay, I am I have been doing this boss fight. I have been doing this boss fight for an hour and a half. I've been doing this boss fight for three hours. What in the fuck? I got to turn this game off. I'm going to lose my mind. And then you finally beat them. If you have, you have leave and like level up a little bit, get your character a little bit cleaner, try to find some better gear so that you're tanking the hits really start to invest in like the rhythm of the game or the rhythm of the, of the fight, you know, like, Hey, am I going to just do this guy? And then let's just like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then, and then you finally get it and you beat it and you're like, fuck yes. And then the game's open to you again and you can just keep doing more shit and, and, and fighting more bosses and it's just fun and this game is that times fucking 10 because i keep finding new areas I, I think the original dark souls only took me like 40 hours to beat and that was a tough 40 hours like that was a long 40 hours i'm on i'm on a hundred an hour and and no no, no. i'm on 110 hours i think of this game or something like that, like 90 hours. 
and because I'm playing on my weekends and stuff, and I'm still finding new areas. I'm still hitting way stronger bosses. Like if you're over level 80 or so by the time you get to Dark Soul end of Dark Souls one, like that is pretty. That is that that that's 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 pretty basic. That's kind of high, you know. And it takes about the same amount of time to level in both of these games if you don't do you know certain farm strategies and stuff. So like it, the leveling system is exactly the same. You you get souls, you put the souls into your character, you level up. So like you've beaten the game at level 70 or 80. I'm at a level 110 and there's still bosses. I cannot quite fucking handle yet. And if you can beat them at lower levels than that, fine. But like, I am just to a point where I'm finally being able to kill all of these. uh, They have field bosses. You're just running around in the open world and dragons will swoop down at you and start fucking shooting lightning out of their mouths at you, or they will crawl up out of the ground or they will be a normal looking dude on a horse that will wreck your shit inside out. Literally pull your asshole inside out and pull it over the back of your head like it was underwear. But instead you're dead and you're wearing a skin coat made of your own butt. Like it's fucking wild. It is the best game I have played in forever. Like I'm really I'm almost kind of upset with it because I simultaneously don't want it to finish. But also it doesn't. It's insane. Like hundreds of hours of in every hour, I was happy as a fucking clam and just really vibing with the game. What problems does it have? Basically none. Here's the thing. People hate the user interface in Dark Souls games, and they have basically never fixed it. And as a matter of fact, they removed certain aspects of it that I believe made it a much easier game to kind of like not much easier but a slightly easier game to play um before when the original games came out like demon souls and dark souls it's in dark souls specifically you actually used to have notches on your health bar and your stamina bar which i personally believe helped you manage all of your stuff better because you could really get a good visual for how many swings you could get off of your axe or whatever and how many rolls you could get. You're like, okay, a roll is like three notches, so like easy multiplication. Like, okay, so I've got, you know, or a roll is like a, a notch. So I've got like 10 notches worth of rolling, you know, with this, like with these current stats. And like, that was good. So they got rid of those in all the preceding games so that they don't have notches on the bars. So you can't tell like, like exactly, exactly how much. I mean, you can really look, I guess, if you want to and like pause the game do a roll, pause the game, look at your uh, status, you know, and be like, okay, so I, I it take it cost me exactly one hundred and thirty five stamina points of the of the twelve hundred stamina points of, that I have to fucking to do a roll, whatever. Blah 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 blah. blah. But um, yeah. Aside from that, like the 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 UI is functionally the same. There's probably been a little bit of cleanup, but it, the the functionality is basically the same thing. There's an attack button. Man, uh, there's a left hand attack and a right hand attack and it, the, yeah i guess you can say attack or use and then you have um left hand strong and right hand strong attacks and you have a, a bunch of variations of keys that'll let you hold your weapon in two hands let you uh switch to another weapon um hold your left hand weapon in two hands jump 
role. Jump has always been weird in these games. Um, it remains pretty weird. I think it, this is this game has the best jump, but it had to because you have a lot more platforming and you have an open world that you have to get through. And then you have um, a little four item use menu down in the bottom that shows you uh, well, it's a four item menu that shows you what weapon you have equipped in each hand or what item you have equipped in each hand and then uh, your usable items at the bottom and your usable spells at the top and you can kind of cycle through those and aside from that that's pretty much it you can lock on you can switch lock on targets sort of kinda and yeah you just roll you use skills you do attacks you do blocks and you can cast magic and stuff and that's basically all it is to you but um the the the, the like lock on system all of this stuff has basically stayed the same the entire time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it's, it's, it's great. I kind of, I love it and I hate it. And you're supposed to, you know, in a, in a quote unquote, more polished, better game, you know, if you go to your, your God of Wars and stuff, they, they put a lot of focus on the camera, Right. And making sure that you can always see the enemy, that you kind of zoom out or you zoom in. You know, each boss fight in like a lot of those games is is, is fine tuned so that you know if you're fighting a six story boss but you're only attacking its head, um, the the aiming will go specifically to the part of the head that like is closest for you to hit. You know, not like some arbitrary place in the dead center of that hitbox, um, and you'll you 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 have a, a a way of moving that is relative to like kind of an intuitive three-dimensional space you know toward the enemy behind back of the enemy left and right of the enemy in dark souls and elden ring it's not relative to the enemy it's relative to whatever the fuck you're locked onto. so <laughs> when you press forward and back um you go forward and back and that's the simplest it gets Left and right are strafe, circle strafe around left and circle strafe around right. And they can be mixed with the back and forward buttons to kind of um, change the circumference of that circle as you as you rotate around an enemy or, or, or break the circle into part. And so when it's a small human enemy, it kind of makes sense. But also don't forget this. There is no inertia to the lock on. So if you see the lock on, your character is always faced it, facing it, you know? So like in certain games, there's inertia to the lock on. So the, the guy will move, but the lock on will kind of hover where it was for a second so that your attacks still kind of go in the appropriate direction. And some games that like really want to play for you, the lock on will uh, track ahead in the direction of where this, this guy is moving so that, um, it feels really nice and your weapons carry over and it kind of like doesn't punish you. Dark soul says, no, if you want to lock on, then you lock on to where we fucking say you can lock on. 
And that is your rotation point and your attack area. It does not matter what the fuck else is going on. You go forward and back of that spot. You go left and right of that spot. Everything is relative to that spot. If you change to change to a different spot, it is now that spot. So the game is extremely kinetic for everything on earth, but you, you are the slowest creature in existence, uh, save for like four enemy types in the entire game. So what that means is like, there's enemies that will, you'll be ready. Right. And to attack in this game, you have to be real fucking slow. You go pink and get your arm back and then yeah, an attack. And that whole attack is uninterruptible, which gets people fucking butthurt as shit. Um, so once you commit to an attack, you are attacking now. And if it is a fucking 10 second attack, there's more than likely you can't jump out of it. And if you want to take a step back and, and use your healing item, it is like the three seconds or five seconds or whatever to use that healing item where you can only just sort of walk slowly and you really can't interrupt it. And if you accidentally double tap a button inside of the, the input section, you will do two things instead of stopping. So you have to have a plan. And so it's a very... It creates an extremely punishing, very specific rhythm system for any fight, especially when it comes to um, melee fights, which is like what I want to do. Like I'm getting in there and I'm going to fucking hack some dragon's legs to death with a goddamn gigantic sword. That's all I need. That's all I want. And it's the fucking best. You go in there and you, you practice and, blah, 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 and when they move, sometimes they'll move. 20 30 yards past you and so you just get completely disoriented if you were dodging sometimes if you hit the dodge just you're like okay i'm gonna dodge and the camera is now moving you know their target moves and so your dodge changes direction because you're rolling forward but you end up rolling in a big circle and if you try to do like a special attack that doesn't have enough tracking to like follow somebody and has a stall point where you're like okay, I follow somebody up and now I'm stalled for a second while he executes the last part of this animation. You just attack in a random direction. It can end up in you attacking right off of a fucking map and like into a, into a death drop. And a lot of times it's because, you know, you got overconfident or were too, way too unconfident and, you know, rolled too soon or, or parried too late. And so now you're stuck in this action. And so then you get hit. And so you're stuck in that hit. And like you just get absolutely punished for every fucking mistake, which in my opinion makes it about as close, I think, to an actual sword fight like with a giant dragon or a fucking 20 foot tall demon that crawled out of a fucking magma pit in the back of Satan's asshole. Like, I think that's about as as intense as it gets. Like if you were actually a guy that was underneath a fucking 20 story tall fire giant that was trying to crush you with a stone bowl i don't think you would have this beautiful you know everything behind you like you know you can just see a big beautiful vista and just attack this guy and it's this really gorgeous fight no you would be underneath this dude half blind sweating hoping that your magic potion finishes knitting together your broken ass arm while you just viciously try to murder this guy's toenail and it would be very disorienting and stuff. And I think that's really what that captures is like the disorienting nature of being underneath something that is 20 size, 20 times the size of you while, while you try to like blindly fight it in heavy plate armor and, and a full visor, you know, <laughs> 
everybody wants to play these games and just have these like really just like oh okay yeah oh i wanted to attack but now i'm 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 gonna just you know with kratos he's got his 40 foot long goddamn chain whip that lets you be a million miles away from enemies and hit them accurately from across the stage it's fully extended but that bullet's coming right for me i'm gonna dodge and the chain goes what and you you interrupt and you run out they say no if you're gonna be swinging a 40 fucking pound steel sword you're gonna be swinging the whole steel sword no interrupting shit so that you can just quick dodge out of the way and I love it. I absolutely love it. It really slows things down. Like one of the main things that this, one of the main reasons this game is so long is that I just keep dying and like, I'll be here cussing and pissing and shit and farting my fucking brains out. The most angry person on earth. But God damn it. When I fucking finally get those cocksuckers, Oh, it's the best. I just killed these two gargoyles last night that have been giving me a problem for a while. And then when I defeated the two of them at one time, I went and I found all their cousins that lived out in the normal world. And I said, Hey, I'm good at you now. And I killed them individually. I genocided the fucking gargoyles. I don't feel bad about this at all. They don't come back. They're one of the one only enemies that don't respawn and they'll never respawn on that iteration because I learned how to kill them and I killed all of them. And then, you know what? I said, fuck it. And I started killing all the goddamn dragons too. Now there's no fucking dragons up in gray rolls roost. You know why? Because I was upset with them and I never forget. And that game, like I was really fucking like, I was, I was really being a sociopath when I was playing this last night. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to get all you motherfuckers. I'm getting all of you motherfuckers. And I came back there. They heard it from a distance. It was all them little kids with the pumped up kicks. And then I fucking was up there with my Joker paint on my face and a goddamn trench coat. Just like, do you remember when you bullied me? <gasps> do you remember when you bullied me? <laughs> and they did for a second. Now they don't remember anything anymore. But <laughs> I digress. I'm going way too into this. If you haven't played Elden Roll, you Elden, Elden, Elder, the Elden Ring, you absolutely should. You should try it. And by the way, just some advice for people. Um, that are, are starting the game, especially if you haven't played, if you have not played the other Souls games before, I would suggest not trying to play uh, melee builds right off the bat. Um, you can do it if you want, but you're going to have to go through what I call the process, which is learning a lot about how painful it is to be a melee player in a game that absolutely rewards magic hand over fist i guess i think in making this game miyazaki or whatever his name is was just like uh why would you not want to have magic spells like i i've always wanted magic to be real and i created this world with magic and you just want a stick that you could have probably made in your backyard and sharpened and you're just gonna fucking hit things in the face with it until they die and i yeah Honestly, like a lot of those problems with the the lock-on and stuff don't even affect magic users because most of the magic is not just homing a little bit. There's like all of it homes in on things. And then there's other ones that are like the homing, literally in the name, homing projectile versions of it that chase things way harder. You can summon little suns that fly slowly at people and explode. You can summon skulls. 
you get the skull summon from a guy that lives in the basement of a manor on a volcano. And he is an absolute greasy freak. And he lives inside a gigantic snake that is coiled up in the shape of a fist. Like it's his own gigantic security blanket. You find out after you kill the snake, cause the snake attacks you and tries to eat you too, that the dude lives inside the snake. And not only does he live inside the snake, but he has sort of become the snake too. And his gross fucking arms come out of giant cuts in the snake's body after you kill the snake in phase one of the fight. And he pulls a, he is already like the size of a skyscraper, right? Um, He pulls a sword that is a quarter the length of a skyscraper (laughs) out of his dead snake's throat and starts swinging at you. You are in a fucking vast blood floored cavern underneath this volcano um there are giant pillars of gross that has solidified and um chandeliers that have gross solidified on them that are hanging from the ceiling they can get hit and fall as he trundles around after you at a certain point he spits what looks like fire into the sky and all of a sudden you are standing on the surface of a red alien planet the transition is slow but it does happen the the general whitish mistiness of the place fades to a uh, dull red. And if you're smart and you have gotten away from him, because this is a distant boss fight, the sky splits open and skulls start raining down onto the ground, exploding and also chasing you. And you cannot just dodge these attacks. You have to run like a little baby until um, the death metal album cover stops trying to kill you. And uh, the world resets. That's just that's just one boss fight. It's just one. It might be one of the most cinematic, cinematic boss fights I've ever been in. And it took me an hour and a half to finish because I was an idiot. And uh, uh, to, to I didn't use the weapon that they gave me for the boss fight. And I was just trying to fight him with my basic kit. And I'm an idiot. And I know I'm an idiot. And I was punished for being stupid until I stopped being stupid. And that's why this game is great. Because once I started using the right weapon, I too was a figure on a death metal album cover. And it was just, it was just wonderful. Now, uh, other, other tips for starting this game, by the way, um, try magic. If, if the game gives you trouble or if you're not really good at timing and like, if you've never played a rhythm game and gotten to like the expert level of it, the, combat the physical combat in this game is going to be hard for you unless you like grossly over level and especially if you do I, I do dex builds in this game because i specifically want the game to be unfathomably hard for me and i want to try to parry everything and like i do get good sometimes and i parry enemies to death and it gives me an amount of endorphins that are equivalent to i think most people when they do drugs it's so good but you can put your stuff into magic and stay away from bosses and fight them um just because you can go into an area doesn't mean you can fight everything in the area and just because you can't fight everything in the area doesn't mean you can't sprint around in the area unlock shit and come back later you can absolutely go and steal things and leave without fighting people or just be like hey here's my runes uh don't get overly dedicated on getting your runes back except that sometimes you're going to get into losses try to go and spend all of your runes on stuff that you might need like uh minor healing items or buffs I, as a dex player, always run a bow in my offhand or my in my second slot on my right hand. And so I always spend my extra 
money on arrows, which cost 10 runes a piece. They always, in every game that has the arrows, they're always super cheap. So I just dump my runes into that when I have extra ones left and I don't need to save them up for leveling up. So I always have a few arrows. Um, If you really want to make the game easy or you get to a certain part of the game where you can respec your character, if you put stats into arcane, um, it increases your discovery. So that will make it so that you find rare and high value items more often. Especially if you're playing some of the um, item builds that get stronger off of Arcane, where you pick up random, there's there's different types of magical items and stuff. So instead of casting spells, you use shields that have cannons in them. Actual cannons! Uh, Pots that you can build on your person, and you want to throw those at people, and also the Arcane spells, too. Um, Yeah, you can put stuff in Arcane, and you can find high-level ass armor on people. Um, because your discovery is better, so you can kill dudes and get armor sets off of them much more easily, as well as upgrade items. Um, if you want somber smithing stones, go go kill the gigantic hands. If you want regular smithing stones, have high discoverability and kill um, soldiers, and use sometimes the little dig guys that dig stuff up, they drop smithing stones all the time. I think specifically mausoleum stros- soldiers, the ones without heads they drop them more often than, than not. And they can be found in Lyurnia of the Lakes and also down by the uh, Wayfarer ruins wherever Sorceress Selene is on her second playthrough. Uh, that, that, those are just some helps. And the rest of the thing is, is just don't, don't try to W key your way through the game. It, it's a great game, but just don't try to like, don't try to force your way through it. And you're, you'll have a great time. Uh, ultimately, I love this game. This game means a lot to me. Um, I needed a game like this because Silk Song hasn't come out and I, I want it to. But yeah, it's just perfect. And I loved every second of it. Every second. So the next thing, I really want to talk about this uh, book I read. I don't know if I really want to talk about it. I feel like I do. I have. I feel compelled. I feel compelled to talk about this book I read recently. Um, and it's called Come With Me by Ronald Malfi. It's a 2021 release, and it concerns the uh, life and times of a man. Uh, (laughs) It just feels like it just trails off there. No, the story is about a guy named Aaron Decker. Weird name. I I hate that name. I don't know why, and I'm sorry. It's such a nitpick, but I, I hate it. But Aaron Decker's wife was recently murdered in a shooting, and she fucking died. And that's so sad. She was a real hero. Everyone liked her. But he soon discovers that she had like a secret second life where she was doing stuff and not telling about him and him about it. And uh, they'd been married for like five years at the time. And uh, they the, the story is basically him recovering or re, recovering, retracing, retracing the steps of her an investigation he finds that she's been doing for the last um 10 years or something like that. I don't know. It's for, forever. He's been known. She's been known it forever. So um, let me just tell you right now, spoilers. Don't, don't listen to this. If you don't want to hear spoilers, this is more of a, like a review for people that may have also read it. Um, I can say at the start of my review, it is a mid book. It is, it is so strikingly mid you could or could not read it and you would gain or lose nothing from it. Uh, I think it's a novel that was created in the grand tradition of airplane novels where um, it is so inoffensive that you might finish it. Um, No one could be possibly 
thrown by this book. It will, it covers no new ground. It covers no subject matter. That's not covered better by other books or by other people. Um, and it does not have any moments which are so unique to it that I, I, I can say like, well, for this one thing, at least make sure you check it out. And you know, Hey, the guy's got a lot of other books. Maybe some of his other ones are better. I don't know. I definitely looked him up on the Wikipedia and uh, this is not one of the book titles in his uh, bookography, <laughs> his bibliography. Yo, bookography still makes sense because Biblio is just fucking book in other languages. Like, how about his bookography? Bookography. Uh, his bibliography. Um, it, it, this, this one does not have a blue link to 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 a further explanation of the book so i guess not even his publisher gave a fuck enough to try to update the wikipedia about the rest of these entries which hey i I don't even have a wikipedia i'm not famous make fun of me too i'm still punching up baby i'm punching i'm punching up at a fucking big four i think this uh, i think this one ran out through penguin i don't know i don't know and i don't care but um uh malfi's book is it it's it's crushingly dull i think one of the things I hated most about this is just the fact that it is about it is directly f- made as a letter, functionally speaking. Um, we're going to get into spoilers here going forward. Um, it's written as a letter by the main character to his now deceased wife. So there's a lot of like you, 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 which is a it's a device that I really can't get behind. Um, it's kind of distracting. I don't know who fucking writes letters anymore. <laughs> and this does take place in the modern era, um, at least post 2000s. And it is just, it's not, it's not wonderful. It is, it is a distant second person you from somebody that doesn't know that much about somebody, but also is like very involved in their life. I don't know. I, I think. I think as a narrative device, it was supposed to really highlight how much this guy didn't know about his wife, you know, and kind of maybe lead you into it. Um, But the problem is, is this guy is potentially the most not a husband husband I've ever seen in any media, including real life. My man is is some bullshit. My man really, he feels like a stalker that knew, if if it would have turned out by the end that he was a stalker that just knew the lady really well and lived across the street, it would make more sense about how much he knew about her life and like the shit that went on with it. And, and, and you know, like a lot of it is, it comes down to execution. Um, I'm not saying that this kind of character is impossible, that there's, I, I know that there's people that are married to their significant others and uh, they leave, live different lives and stuff. But also I have experienced conversations with people that went through stuff like that, either through uh, reiteration or even actually just talking to them in certain cases. And it was always like, it's never like the guy that was hiding the stuff from them for 10 or 15 years was never hiding it so well that it's like a sudden big revelation. Usually a lot of it's like, not participatory on the part of the person that was being deceived, but they kind of let it go because they were either too scared or really badly gaslit. And this doesn't quite come out in this story. Um, 
the way that I would prefer or not the way that I would prefer it did just in a way that really like made sense to me. Like the, the whole time Aaron is just kind of like mulling over stuff and he does, it, it starts with the immediate, his immediate existence after her death. You know, we buried you in September. Uh, I will say I listened to this on audiobook. I can't remember who narrated it. He was the perfect narrator for this and that his voice is also kind of twerpy. If he's an actor and he read this story and was just like, this is Aaron Decker's voice. My man, you nailed it. Um, you were a pain in the ass to listen to, to a degree. Uh, but that was just because you were in character. Um, Aaron Decker is a, a secondary character in some other more important person's book, which is very explicitly kind of put into play there. So, you know, I think that the, telling the story from his first person narration to a second person in the form of a letter really was just too much. It was fucking exhausting. Um, Decker is whiny. He's a small twerpy guy, which is fine, but he knows he's small and twerpy and lame. And so he's always talking about how he's small and twerpy and lame. And people are commenting on how he's, a fucking dweeb and shit. It's just, if this would have been in third person, it would have been so much better, infinitely better. Um, He's just not interesting enough as a person to really carry the narrative from his own perspective. His, the, so a thing that you have to do whenever you have something written in first person, if it want, if you want it to be good, uh, the way that that person communicates has to uh, justify two things an ability to actually communicate any of the information to you at all, especially if this is a, uh, a record of something. So, you know, Hey, is this a letter in this case? It sort of is, is this, uh, you know, a recording is it this, and like, this is how you got to it, you know, um, or even, you know, how you didn't get to it. What it doesn't really matter. You know, I guess all a, le- a message in a bottle that's never found. will still have the entire message on it, but the, him creating it has to make some sort of sense. You know, I am making a record. I am writing this thing. And so it has to be constrained within those limits to some degree, even if it's just, um, in this case, literally his own description of his memories to his dead wife after his death. That's the end of the book. Fuck. Fuck. Goddamn. I hate it. Um, I'll get to that. And and also in the second portion of what it has to do is it has to explain how the person communicates so well on a, on a creative front, right? How do they know things? How do they understand things? And it doesn't have to necessarily explain it, but in their own writing, you have to be kind of made clear that they talk a certain way. You know, if this is all from the perspective of a guy that works as a, as a janitor, in a, uh, in a, in a, in a third, in, in a, you know, a grade school, right? Actually, how about this? Uh, he works as a, a as a, a maintenance specialist in a, in a sewage plant. It's extremely specific, right? So you can say like, okay, so he went, he did a little bit of college, right? So, I mean, if this dude just went and he did a technical skill four years, unless he has something that brought him really close to literature in general. And I know this personally from knowing people in the blue collar space motherfuckers don't know all kinds of fucking goofy ass words 
and descriptions and shit. All right. They, they, unless it's about their stuff, they, they talk, people talk in certain ways and it's usually relative to their interests. If you don't have an interest specifically in books, you're probably not going to do a bunch of bookie similes and stuff and be like, you know, it was an orange road sunset. Motherfuckers that live in that world would be like, yeah. So I left around like five and I could barely see cause the sun was like right at the horizon. I remember like I, I almost missed uh, a stoplight because the stoplight was directly behind the sun and you can kind of like establish times of day and what was going on. And like maybe even the time of year to a degree, like, oh, okay, well the sun was setting when this guy got off work at five, you know, those specific things have to be in there and you have to be a good enough author to write around them. That's the hard part about it. If you want to have a story and, you know, communicate all of this, like, data about somebody you have you as the creator have to fucking go real hard above and then get into it down low in order to justify it the easy way to get around that is to have your fucking character that's a first person narrator be some sort of writer or somebody that's in the uh, in, in a creative field that brings them close to high extremely high level english and you know a, 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 a very large bibliography in their back catalog so why do why do all these writers that write first person stories write as writers, you know, and that, that, that's the fucking reason in our case, my man has got the, basically the trifecta of, of lazy first person character uh, creation. He is a, uh, not a writer, but he translates novels from Japanese into English or from English into Japanese. One of those directions, possibly both. It doesn't matter. He reads a lot. Also, this means that he has a extremely work from home type environment. So it gives him a lot of free time. Sorry, that's the third thing. But that's more of a uh, plot constraint when your character has to do stuff during random times of the day. Why can they do that? Oh, he's a, a cop because he can go wherever he wants at any given time because cops have the most freedom of travel and they also work weird, weird hours. Or B, he's a writer or a newspaper reporter or maybe like a lawyer because those people you know, they have like specifically, I leave during the day jobs. That's why you don't see a lot of fucking factory workers and, uh, and auto mechanics and honestly like teachers and stuff during in like starring in these stories because either they don't have access to the information to like, let me just paint with all the colors of the wind in my prose or, uh, or, or, you know, like they're going to be stuck at work all day and I specifically need this dude to walk into a bar at like two in the afternoon so that it's empty. <laughs> so there you go. So this guy hits, he hits the trifecta. He's a fucking, he's an effete academic who has access to a lot of English skills and, uh, interesting, weird people via his wife's fucking thing. So he's just, he's just set up, set up for success. Plenty of free time. Fucking hate this guy. He is dull uh, and like weirdly sex focused. There is this is a 10 hour novel. Um, Literally, I listened to this between um, the first and second uh, books of the Stormlight Archive from Brandon Sanderson, which are 45 hours or whatever a piece. This one's 10, 10 or 12, something like that. So, you know, it's 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 a short book realistically to page count that would equal to probably this is probably like a 60k to an 80k if i had to guess which is a book that's about that thick or roughly the size of like the first harry potter novel there you go so this is a a pretty 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 standard size um i call these junkers it's just the fucking random novels that get put out in in the space nowadays you see them everywhere 
They're they come in five by seven. They're about three quarters of an inch thick. They're very approachable. They basically have to have an extremely interesting premise or nobody's going to read them because inside a lot of the times eh, the, the actual execution and the quality is trash. Mexican Gothic, for instance, got on literally by the strength of its title alone and everything inside was fucking dirty water garbage, which, you know, that's on the other side of the purchase. So they don't give a fuck. And if that's the one time everybody buys a fucking book from that person, then like, you know, the publishing company made their money back. Uh, you want to be just successful enough that everybody's not going online and being like, hey, oh, that, this thing that everybody blew up is actually trash. Like, no, 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 no. Then, <laughs> they, you know, you always get some fans. So it is what it is. But yeah, this is it, it's kind of a junker. And the story is the story's meh. I mean, it's it's everything you've ever seen from a going and retracing another investigation thing. Um, if you watched Twin Peaks again, you would get the same experience, but you would also be watching Twin Peaks. Um, the guy finds a box of shit or something like that at his wife's house and he discovers her notes and the notes have some really interesting things. There's some good setups. I'm not, I'm saying it's mid, I'm not saying the book is trash, trash. Like it's not fucking absolute garbage, but it's, it's just mid. This is like the most interesting stuff is there's like a little phrase in there that says gas head will make you dead. There's these rectangle things that might mean something and that's kind of connected to some notation. And there are a handful of clues to be resolved throughout the story. Cool. We go to multiple different places. Um, our, our, our writer and therefore our character are all are both from like Maryland. I think uh, this dude is from like fucking Annapolis. Um, East Coast bullshittery is all over this novel. Mr. Malfi, if you ever read this, get out more. My man. Uh, i don't know if it's directly to the characters it's one of the reasons that the character really irritated me and if you don't it's definitely a check your privilege there is a very um upper middle class man being very nervous about around uh blue collar people in very tame settings uh feel a lot of there's a lot of fucking uh when, once it's time for anybody in, so it, it's in Maryland and also in like Appalachia and a little bit North Carolina. Once anybody from Appalachia or North Carolina starts talking, oh, wait, wait, I don't know about that. Fuck it. Like I can almost feel like the wrong accents. Being like, well, I'll say I, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> like, oh, you are? <laughs> that's, that's your accent from Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I feel like I might be I might be from Huntington, West Virginia. What? <laughs> if you don't Oh my god, those fucking accents. Uh, dude, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fucking trash at accents in my next uh my next season of my podcast that I'm making, but I digress. It's just rough. It's rough. Um every woman in this Every woman in this is pretty as soon as they're useful. <laughs> Women will be a scene from a distance. She was old. She looked old. Her, her face, or no, she looked hot from a distance, but the closer I got, the older her face looked until I realized I was looking at, at, a, at, a, at an old woman with the soul of a hot girl. That's how you know she's going to be really smart. Bob, the waitress that, I met earlier. I thought she would be kind of trashy, but then she showed up and she was hot and she had important things for me to say. 
all the all the fucking all the ladies in this foreign area are foreign to me in 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 fucking suburban maryland all the ladies are hot and all the dudes are scary oh my god dude um but i mean the 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 whole fucking book is laced with that bullshit uh i think multiple characters try to fuck our dude and in a book that is only fucking 10 and a half hours long 12 hours long whatever my main character gets laid like three times pointlessly and has to turn down sex with a hotter, hot, younger lady at least one time because he's so heartbroken over his wife. Oh, no. <laughs> Fucking lady. This is literally also, and I was walking to my car and I was going, what the fuck? The reason he talks to this hot chick is because um, she was almost abducted and raped and fucking murdered by this guy that he thinks is a serial killer that he's stalking. <laughs> she just recounts her fucking near murder, which is really intense for her and kind of scary, you know? And she's like, damn, well, now that I've done talk to that, do you want to fuck guy I just met? <laughs> which isn't the rarest thing in the world, you know what I mean? But like, it, my man threw up no signals. It wasn't like, like, hey, you know, I'm out here looking for love kind of thing. I guess, I guess, I don't know. It has to have happened to somebody. Somebody got, you know, fucked by a stranger that they just met a couple days ago and interviewed about a murder. <laughs> I guess over dead wife sympathy. I don't fucking... oh my god and then he's like fucking his wife in like three other scenes in the in the past thing it was like one of them i think has like something to do with the plot and his wife is like tying him up and and trying some bdsm and not being very like safe word about it and that was like he's like that was one of the more dangerous things she's done and i was like oh that's actually like my man you actually got sexually assaulted i don't know if you know that but uh it's not okay if your wife does that this kind of gets me into the fucking relationship between him and his wife is just not great I don't know exactly. I feel like there's something missing in it, you know, and if you want to try to blame me, no, fuck that. There's, there's no way I was like listening to this on audio, audiobook and missing anything. I think it was just fucking boring as shit. Cause I can remember every goddamn thing that's happened in the stormlight archives. And I've listened to 95 hours of it over the past few weeks. And it's, it's great. Unironically. Um, even though I have some pro- problems with uh, Sanderson himself, he's a Mormon. He doesn't want gay people to get married. Now he's like, it's okay that gay people get married, but like, I still think it's like wrong as a Mormon. You know, a little bigoted, um, just a touch. But um, yeah, my man just keeps getting laid. No, no, sorry. What the fuck was I talking about? Oh yeah, Aaron Decker and his wife's uh, relationship is just boogers, man. It's just boogers. It's not an interesting relationship at all. It's not like I don't give a fuck about these people toward the end of this like i just don't um she is perfect and wonderful and like all of her she's like every girl in a fucking pop song like an emo song she's like going to level wonderful but all of her flaws are actually things that also make her cool like she's actually violent to like people that beat her up when she was a kid and like sometimes she gets really dedicated to revenge (laughs) okay she had like a see this was the first time I saw the secret violence that lived inside you, and I didn't know what to feel like that and that's how it's fucking like portrayed and the whole thing feels like kind of 
it, it's, it is, it feels like couples therapy that you're sitting on that is for a guy that was like the, your relationship is for a stalker that is not even like dedicated enough to like stalk the woman. And like the woman didn't show up because she didn't know she was in the relationship is what it feels like the whole time. They don't have any chemistry off screen. A lot of the memories of her are like plot relevant or, you know, they're less like little scene setting kind of things. And like, they just don't slap at all. And, uh, yeah, and there's not much to say about it because it's like I just wanted more. I mean, just fucking make the novel longer. And honestly, if it would have been in third person and, you know, like we would have just gotten more not somewhat unreliable narrator reflection of like who she was. Like there's just no good ground point to kind of figure out who these characters are. So they they all end up like milk Every character in this is just fucking milk poured into the same bucket just to make a big bucket of milk. And the milk is warm and it's not warm because it's fresh. It's warm because it got left out and you don't know if it's going to stink soon, but you have to drink all of it because you rented it from the library. I think like by the end, you do get some good moments, right? Um, the fucking killer is of course, like the first hillbilly he meets <laughs> going into the fucking show he goes and he fucking goes and stays at a hotel and it's like one of the first people you, you, you are like all mysteries. You do have a, uh, an economy of bad guys. And I honestly, I would not mind a bad guy that nobody expected yet. Although it's, it's really doesn't happen. And you know, thanks by like, you know, you get your, you get your most likely suspect. Then you get your red herring suspect. And then you get your guy who was the guy all along. You saw earlier on, you know what I'm saying? And he's just like some fucking guy. And there is like this whole gas head thing and like that kind of comes up and that's kind of creepy. And the gas head thing is kind of cool. It's like this gas monster dude who's like the spirit of some miners that died in a fire and like there's still gas leaks in this cave. And if you go there, gas head will get in your head and make you do crimes and shit. And this guy's like, I got it, baby. But whatever. I don't know. The, the, the final interaction between Aaron and the killer is dog shit. It's fucking every, every goddamn fucking super villain of the week thing. Like adventure brothers would make fun of it. I'm rewatching venture brothers right now. And it is like a venture brothers grade, like cliche. Oh, you got to explain your entire plan. Why you could just shut the fuck up. Like literally the guy gets caught and he doesn't even really get caught. There's no proof. That he did the things like the the closest proof I think that they find at the end is that ultimately you find out all these girls that were killed over like whatever 20 years or some stupid shit were in a fucking they all went to the same summer camp right which nobody put together yet because cops are incompetent which I agree but like when he gets confronted with it he just starts fucking blabbing about it uh, this is not only did i kill them this is why i killed them i i'm pretty sure that's how this is how i remember it i would love to be proven wrong but i i just i was like so checked out of the novel by the time i got to that part and i had to rewind the audible a few times because like i which i do constantly because i think i missed something and i i go back and i was like what and i was like oh, okay so there wasn't all right that's it time to start 
Time to start unraveling my whole plan. Why can we not? Why anybody out there, if you're a fucking writer and you're going to be bigger than me, that's fine. I don't give a fuck if you're going to be smaller. It doesn't matter. It's okay for murderers to not admit shit. A lot of them don't right away. They lie and they're not going to admit it to just a random person that's there. I've done it before, but I did it one time and now I swear to God, I'll never do it again. You know what I'm saying? Like, it happens so much. There's no reason for that person to uh, to say all of the stuff. And it's just fucking irritating. <laughs> they just blurt it out. And it all gets blurted out. You know? And it, it's done. And then, like, we don't even have to go through a t- trial or a crime. It all gets wound up nicely. The guy just fucking gets killed by Decker. And the story part ends, I guess. And it's over. Fucking fine. And then you get your after effects and they're like, oh, we looked up all the ladies and these people were happy that I did get involved in a closed police investigation. And this one cop got fired because he mishandled it. He's the guy from earlier that was kind of like maybe leaning on me to not do that. And you're like, I don't think that guy would get fired in real life. don't think in real life that guy would get fucking fired at all oh no he might he might because i think they framed a a dude for whatever and then the guy like killed himself or something in prison i don't know yeah they got they might that dude might get fired might get fired really depends and he's a dude i I mean the guy's like i think the guy that gets in trouble is like a sheriff in a rural part of west virginia like just a random like fucking i don't know monongahelia county or something I think they're literally in Harper's Ferry uh, during this because obviously this guy's from Maryland and he is not going deeper into fucking West Virginia. It's like it gets set in fucking war, West Virginia. They're not going down. (laughs) They're not going down to fucking Welch, West Virginia for this. My man is a writer from Maryland. Okay. Like he drinks in DC area. He goes to parties. He's a fucking published author. My man's not going past fucking Harper's Ferry. I, I I say that I say that very strictly unless the place that he mentioned was is an actual actual part of West Virginia that I don't know that it just sounds exactly like Harper's Ferry. They describe it and they're like, yeah, this used to be a really big town. It's still kind of here. It's set up on a hill and there's a ferry right next to it. And it used to be a munitions depot during the Americans, the American, the, the American Revolutionary War. And like, hmm. <laughs> okay. Is it really cute and it's like still kind of touristy, but not too touristy and a little, little, just a touch, just hillbilly enough that you don't feel like you're going to get mugged. Um, I'm just being, I'm being an asshole at this point. It's just fucking dull. It's dull as dishwasher. It, it ends up all the same possible ways. And you know, like, I guess maybe I'm being too hard about the guy just admitting everything, but I wish there would be dudes that are just like, all right. Yeah, cool. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Like leave, leave my house. Because that's it. Literally, like in real life, they probably just kick you out. Like he doesn't have an author- any authority. He's just a gun. But yeah, they do the follow ups, and then they talk to. All- you get to see like what became of the other people in the story. Like really quick, this guy did that, and nobody does anything fucking particularly interesting. Which is actually what happens in real life. Nobody, everybody just starts continues going to Kroger and shopping like once a week, you know, and seeing like whatever Marvel movie came out that year. It's not, it's not a big deal. But um, he. He 
gets fucking shot in like the last scene and dies um, because the wife of the guy who did the murders is butthurt that he found out her husband did the murders and then also like he killed him maybe in cold blood. They don't investigate because obviously like he gets friended up with the cops and they just they hold out for him. So it's some bullshit. I digress. Um, yeah, and then it ends. And so that's like, that's Come With Me by Ronald Malfi. I mean, ultimately, man, what a fucking, it's a dull fucking story, dude. It It is painfully boring at times. There's some really interesting parts which kind of keep you going on. Um, but everything else, I mean, you could read this or you could read anything else on Earth. If you like Ronald Malfi, like you should just look him up. And be like, hey, I think I actually do like this guy. I like the cut of his jib. Then you can just give him $20 you would have done with any other book on earth. And you'll get the same experience. It's it's extremely, it's extremely fucking mid. Um, I will say at the end of this, um, and if this is like a comment that somebody is like planning on making in regards to this. I know you see it in the uh, the afterword or whatever. Uh, Malfi dedicates this book and did to a degree base it on the death of a woman that he knew that was a close personal friend of him that died like the wife in the book does. She was shot during a um, shot during a, 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 a mass shooting by some incel fuck that his girlfriend broke up with him and he, she just fucking went and killed some people and she gets shot in the head and dies. Um, his real life friend died that way. And I guess, he dedicated this to and, you know, based it off of it. So like, um, I know that. And in parting, um, it does not change in any way, shape or form my opinion of this book. I'm not going to be like mean about it or anything, but it was added there. And I'm just saying that I, I, I heard, uh, the book's great stance. I would give this like a solid, like five out of 10, five out of 10 tops. Fucking mid, mid, mid as fuck. Uh, mid is fucking for some reason like really irritating to me because I just didn't like the main character so much that every time I talk about this book I hear his voice in my head and I I, I get I get bitter about his existence anywhere inside the American literary canon <laughs> like I just fucking hate that Aaron Decker is out there uh well actually at least he died at the end of the book I guess I don't know but ah oh, fuck him fuck that character yeah Ronald Malfi um five out of ten come with me so i've been meaning to talk about um yellow jackets for a while now um it's a great show and i really really enjoyed it uh yellow jackets kind of came out of nowhere for me it is a show on showtime um it just came out last year last november i guess and uh finished running uh just a month or so later i think there wasn't that many episodes into it i think i think there's only like 13 or so but it did a lot in those and and i gotta say i was pretty proud or not pretty proud but i was pretty impressed by by the ultimate effort especially after how disappointing um the dexter new blood um solo run season kind of was we ended up getting yellow jackets because we borrowed a friend's showtime subscription and then he canceled his after uh after new blood and so we had to get ourselves a um temporary subscription so that you know we could we could watch yellow jackets because we watched one episode of it and actually liked it and um it's a good good show very very solid 
um, and, and, and pretty fucking interesting. Um, there are aspects of it. I can say in my, uh, my sort of spoiler free mini review here at the beginning, there are aspects of it that make me think it was the, the, the showrunners might not have had a whole lot of faith in it, um, which would be warranted. Um, I think this is the first new good show I've heard of on Showtime in like a decade I know other things come out on Showtime. If you watch it, that's cool. I don't have a subscription because I haven't wanted to get a subscription for anything that they've released. Um, just as a, oh, I'll, I'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, I'd say ultimately Yellow Jackets really gets through on its writing and uh, a lot of its acting are, are pretty good. It's a very small, close show. Most of the scenes take place between anywhere from two to six people in the woods and basic suburban settings. Um, there's not a lot of action. What action there is, is pretty brutal, pretty quick. And, uh, and, and really just uh, not, not even directly on screen some of the times. Um, so if you are a person that's extremely squeamish, extremely squeamish, um, you might not want to watch this, but pretty much everybody else can. I would say it's it's pretty pretty chill as far as blood and gore goes for like a horror show, especially given the uh, the overall themes of it and a lot of the the grossest stuff. I guess you would say is more gross contextually than it is gross because of what's happening on the screen. Um, to get into the spoilers version of this review, if you don't want to. Here, spoilers on it. You're going to watch it on your own uh, bail. Um, it, this is pretty good. It follows, um, as everybody knows, this little sh- this little team of high school soccer students. Um, they are, I guess they live in Seattle. Where the hell do they live? I can't quite remember. I, it's actually kind of explicitly said in the show. Oh, yeah, they're in Jersey. I'm sorry. They're in Jersey and they crash somewhere in the um, Alaskan Seattle wilderness, I guess, somewhere, somewhere in America, like Yosemite. I can't really remember. And I think they didn't, they intentionally didn't get into it too much because uh, that's going to be revealed in the future or something. This has definitely been set up for a second season and it is on the Showtime networks. I don't know why it won't run for 20 and be extremely fucking alien and weird by the end and just have nothing to do with the concepts that made it good in the first place as Showtime is wont to do. Um, just talk about Showtime for a little bit and why I, I, I guess this is probably the best show that's been on Showtime new in like decades almost, at least a decade and a half or so, especially if you're talking about new, you know, um, I think their last great shows they started were Dexter and uh, what is that? Shameless. Shameless is a remake of a show from over the pond too. So technically they really only made one original show. And uh, it is a pretty, it's a pretty solid one. But uh, Showtime has uh, left the bad taste in my mouth kind of permanently until they can prove to me as a uh, as a creative chunk of the creative industry as a as an operation that they can stop being pieces of shit and uh, just ruining fucking shows for money. Um, they overrun things. That's what Showtime does. They'll take any property that they get their grubby little hands on, and they will stretch it out a million fucking years. Fuck the plot. Fuck the quality, fuck everything, and it just becomes just this overly long thing. Like I can't imagine if they would have had the wire, the wire would still be on. It would be into season fifteen, and there would be fucking aliens in it because Showtime just cannot fucking stop. They can't stop. They will go until they've jumped a shark. 
and then they will invent a bigger shark and shark and jump it. it it's just it's very fucking irritating um i i guess it's good for the people on the ground it's nice that these actors can make millions of dollars not for just two years but for like 10 good for them i don't give a fuck about their careers i'm there for the goddamn content and for showtime the content has just been lacking my i the only other show i liked on there i think i liked like two or three actually but like they all got canceled and the other ones aren't really worth mentioning but i also liked united 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 states of tara on there tara united states of tara and i think the big c was on there too but i can't remember i think both of those kind of got prematurely canceled while dexter got sent into like fucking overdrive and uh shameless shameless just kept just kept going i don't know i i feel like the people that like shameless love it no matter what for me it kind of just like lost the spirit of what was really interesting about it and also the stakes got turned into something where it was very clear that the status quo would never really get upset and there would never be major change which i felt like was i think was supposed to be the point of shameless is that it was supposed to originally be about breaking out of the sort of cycle of poverty in 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 that neighborhood and kind of like fixing things but now i think it just turned into something kind of like uh maybe even like orange is the new black where it's just turned into like a delivery system for topic of the year problems, which I don't know. it is what it is. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't orange is the new black was basically unwatchable for me toward the end. I know it's a Netflix show, but um, for the same sort of reasons, shameless became unwatchable for me. And, and, and so did uh, Dexter really which I already went over extensively in the Dexter retrospective. You can see that here on this channel or, uh, or, or, or it's on YouTube. It's on my podcast. Check it out. Um, so I was really surprised when we got to um, Yellow Jackets. I, the advertising for it was weird. I don't know what it was about it. I guess it was probably pretty direct, but for some reason I thought, I don't know why I got confused. I thought it was going to be something that it wasn't. So I, I won't go too much into it, but um, the advertising I saw, the scan advertising that I like made it through, it was not particularly interesting to me. And so I think my wife actually watched an episode of this and then told me like, I have to watch it. And so I started watching it with her. And of course, everybody that watches the podcast that's in the discord, join the discord. There's going to be a link in this. Um, it's very tiny. They were all, all about it too. And so I checked it out and, and you know, I like it. The, the show follows this crew of high school soccer students they crash land on the way to like the major championship you know it's also in the future too and you know through the future references to it that they were in the woods for 18 months and uh multiple cold seasons i suppose and uh then they were rescued and you kind of get based on who is and who isn't in the future who survived um it's very explicitly ex- shown in like the first five minutes of it that um, not only did they resort to cannibalism but they got fucking real crazy about it uh so you know it, it's kind of this shrinkage um of their uh not shrinkage but just sort of just a slip out of humanity into um some new and uh powerful thing that allows them to to survive the woods is basically the point of the uh for the first season um the, a lot of it is just teenage girl drama which is fine um it, it's kind of like all done very not tongue in cheek, but like with a, with a, a good dollop of like, Hey, we realize where we are 
which is one of the major problems I have with a lot of these other shows. Uh, like if the walking dead gets fucking melodramatic and um, with, with just an absolute disregard of the stakes at hand. But in this, it's like, yeah, I'm really pissed at you that you did this thing, but also like we do have to get firewood. So like I'm more interested in the firewood, but maybe she's not. So she might betray you or something like that. That's not directly from the show, but um, I think you can talk about this without getting into spoilers very excessively, uh, except for probably one major spoiler that I might talk about toward the end, which I'm like uh, 50, 50 on. Um, The girls are good to just talk about the past part of the show. The girls are all good. Um, There's three surviving boys with them after the initial plane crash and uh they're all well done too i i i like them in general i really like the setting um it's a they're in the woods mostly there's a few different locations the beach the original plane crash the older plane crash which becomes a non-location by the end of it anyway and uh, the cabin which is like the locus of the show as well as they're suggested to be other areas out in the woods, you know, where we haven't quite gone with the uh, contemporary, I guess you would say, flashback or or the past crew, you know, as they progress linearly through that narrative. But flashes from other things may suggest that there's other places in the woods, I believe. Um, in the future, everything, it, it's just basically for girls, Melanie, um, no, no, sorry, not Melanie. Shawnee, Taisa. I read the character, the actress's names. Shawnee, Taisa, Jackie, and uh, Natalie. I think, or no, no, not Jack. Well, Jackie's in there too. Natalie and um, Misty, and they're all um, they're all pretty good too. Um, what's her name? Is uh, Juliet Lewis is older Natalie and she is great, but I think she's the only person in the casting that for some reason just doesn't quite do it for me. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe it'll be explained a little bit more, but it's just the transition of every, all the rest of them from their kid selves to their adult selves kind of makes sense. But for um, Natalie, it's very extreme. Um, and, you know, Juliet Lewis does a great job. She's very Juliet Lewis in this role. If you don't know who she is, she's just, uh, she's in a bunch of different things, but most notably, um, oh, God damn it. What the fuck is that name? Name of that movie? Uh, Natural Born Killers. Uh, Natural Born Killers is kind of like the Juliet Lewis role that I always remember her for. And this has got very powerful if she would have like survived past natural born killers feel to it. And you should just go see natural born killers. If you never have that movie's fucking fire, dude, it is so good. But, uh, I, I, I digress. Um, the, the, the older versions of the kid actors are also good, which makes sense. That's the only like slight duck in casting, but I think it, it might get made to be, it might make more sense. Um, when they get, a little deeper into the plot in the next season. Um, I won't get into the plot too much. No real reason to, and you would have to get pretty specific. There's a lot of different threads going on. The two basic problems are that in the past, obviously they want to survive and things start coming up, which make that not just harder, but also easier, but maybe in a bad way. Um, there's some supernatural stuff that comes up 
And uh, that is really interesting going into the second season. In the future, the main issue is that um, Shauna has a lot of feelings about what happened before still Thais is running for um, election. They all have basically kind of semi-severe personal problems that make them all pretty vulnerable. I think Nats are the most, well, I guess Tawny's, or not Tawny, Jesus Christ, I keep getting that messed up. Misty. Um, Misty's problems are probably the least intensive. She's the one that's most grounded, but she's also kind of semi-clearly, to me at least, a serial killer in the future, and uh, also just flat-out insane borderline personality disorder gaslighter and she's played by christina ricci and she's probably my favorite character in the future she's horrible horrible every time she's on screen she sucks like oh god this is miserable but also christina ricci is playing her and she just has she just loves that role you can tell so much that she just goes fucking super hard in it and uh i I guess it's great i haven't seen christina ricci in a lot of shit recently but i guess she's coming back she's gonna be in some sort of fucking um Adam's family revival soon, which is cool. But yeah, their whole thing is sort of revolves around this blackmail plot that Shauna gets dragged into and the rest of them do. But also um, the past is just in a general sense, catching up with all of them. And a lot of them are starting to revert into old habits or, you know, dwell a lot on, on the lives that they think they left behind in the woods. And I, I think I can kind of leave it there. Plot description wise. Um, the, the, the show is great. It it feels really good. Um, all of the characters work very well together. I was kind of disappointed with the death of Jackie, who is, um, sort of kind of the objective main character of the past, kids she's she's sort of if i would say anything she's the closest thing to like a real pov character especially at the beginning and then as it gets into the end um things start slipping away from her and it does become more about the other girls which is kind of makes sense she is the connection to the former hierarchies and the desires and like expectations of these girls from their high school lives. And as they transition into this wood lives thing, like her relationship, Oh shit, her relationship with them and, uh, um, their relationships with her and each other all change drastically. And it ends up with her, her death of just being forced to be out in the cold for a night and being unable to to catch a fire. She just falls asleep in the cold and dies, which somebody was talking about, um, happening earlier. And uh, it sets up the sequel with them being, you know, uh, there, there's clearly some sort of cult that has set up around the uh, arcane, bizarre, wood witch bullshit that's going on in the past. There was times during this where I was screaming, she's a blood witch. She's a blood witch. And I was having a lot of fun, a lot of fun watching it. But yeah, I would say um, my my final Critique on Yellow Jackets is season one is like a solid eight, eight or a nine. I, I really can't see a lot of flaws with it. Um, wish they did a little bit more with the setting and stuff, but you know, it's showtime. They're never going to spend a lot of money on this show. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of the more famous people get killed off next season. But then again, um, you know, if you look at um, William H. Macy, former high level actors, 
um, they can just sort of exist on Showtime. It's kind of like a, a Vegas residency for them. So, you know, we might have, we might have Christina Ricci out there for forever. I think she's the most famous person on this cast. Uh, yeah. Or, well, Christina Ricci and, and Juliette Lewis, definitely the two most famous people um, on, 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 in this cast. As far as I, I know, I could be technically wrong, but I, I think they, they, they might, this might be their residency. So uh, I hope yellow jackets runs for, I would say tops three seasons. I think this has probably got enough story in it for a trilogy. I don't see much more than that because maybe you could get a fourth season, but eventually the kids have to come home. And if you don't end the kids storylines right around then, or just shortly after it's, I think things are going to fall apart a lot. I think things are going to fall apart a great deal um, because there's going to be too much overlap. And then you're just going to be dying for kids to find some shit. And you'll have to start making things happen to the kids that you'll have to explain why people weren't noticing them and talking about them explicitly after they came back and were super famous. So, you know, that's going to get a lot more complicated, but I could say three seasons. Cause I think they did the first six months in the wilderness with the kids. Then they'll do the next six months and then they'll wrap it up with the last six months, you know, in, in the third season, I could see three seasons out of this tops. I hope I really don't want more. I, I really, I really, I don't want more showtime. Please do not turn this into 20 seasons long. It's just not necessary. And I literally, I don't, I'm, I don't intend on spending that much money on showtime. So if you could wrap your shit up, or somehow stop being Showtime and turn your network into like something where it with tons of shows I would want to watch. How about with three shows I would want to watch and the other ones can't have come out in the mid 2000s? Californication. Also very good. Also ran way too long. Um, yeah, I think with that I can wrap it up. So Yellow Jackets first season grade eight. Uh, this could be like a potential 10 out of 10 show by the end. Definitely like a nine. If it ends on time, if it doesn't end and uh, it starts doing dead season shit, I will drop the grade of it overall to like a fucking two. I swear to God, that's a threat from somebody with absolutely no reach, but it is. All right. So that's the podcast. Um, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you've noticed, there's been some sort of like odd uh transitions um between these i am now trying to record this in a way by opening obs and my my audio catcher at the same time so that i can kind of put out the podcast episode and also create some clips for youtube because youtube just does not want me to be uploading whole hlc episodes so if you want to see me talking into my microphone instead of just gently whispering into your ears like this on youtube of course it's westsideverytales.com slash youtube i'm doing some other stuff on there too um, I'm going to be posting uh, the Winchester four things on there as well as they come up. So, you know, keep a lookout for those. And I might end up trying to put all of those together and just like throw some music on it and, uh, and release it. Cause I'm making like individual, like little art pieces and stuff. They're not very, it's not very dedicated, but I am like trying to create a bunch of like documentary style visuals for that. The, so that that'll um, kind of articulate the, uh, or help the help. What how, what do even that illuminate the story? I guess illustrate the story a little bit better. There we go. And uh, yeah, so with that, um, look forward to sin carriers. Hopefully, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I think if it's if I can get my story mostly edited, I can get stuff to Yui, and I can get 
a bunch of the songs recorded, and I, I already have all of the train stuff I need recorded. I could potentially get a Sin Carriers out end of next month at the earliest. If not, then um, we're definitely going to be June is the absolute latest one year after the end of the last major story that I'm willing to go. And then, you know, we're going to be in it and I don't have anything written right now. That's not released. That is going to be released on the West side fairy tales. Um, so I, we're going to be, we're going to be fucking sin carriers for a while, but the episodes are going to be extremely long and they are going to be chalk fucking full of special effects and, and, and cool stuff and hopefully some really good writing that you guys appreciate. So um, with that, I'm going to wrap up the episode. Thanks for stopping by the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. I am going to try to start getting these out a little bit more often as I am not doing as many 20-hour days anymore so I can kind of just stop and do some recording and talk to you guys. I just feel like I, I do this for so long. So. Okay, cool. Thanks a bunch. I love you all. And until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. 
Learn more at westsideferrytales.com slash westbygod.